0: Um, We're going to be reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 13, starting with verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea the Israelites went up out of Egypt, ready for battle. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp at pi ha Haroth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite baal Zephron. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around, around the land in confusion hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Ha-Heroth, opposite Baal-Zephron. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all the Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving, and the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh,
1: Yes, there it is. How about that? How about that? That sound good? You know, I was kind of thinking, you know, I've had a I've had a lot of roommates over my over my lifetime. How many have you guys just had a lot of roommates throughout your life? Right. We're not talking about necessarily spouses don't fall in this category, but just, you know, prior to that. Right. Spouse is not your roommate. But, um, you know, in college, I think about probably had four or five different roommates throughout college. After college, I had roommates. And, you know, I would like to think that I'm an adjustable guy. I would like to think I'm adjustable, meaning, right, you know, different roommates have different preferences. You kind of learn people. You learn. You go through that rough phase of being a roommate where it's like, OK, the, we're missing on everything right now. Right. It's just, it's hard. OK, you you put your alarm across the room and you don't hear it when it goes off the first time. I hear it and I'm upset that you are letting it ring for 20 minutes. You know, there's an adjustable Period. And I've learned different things with different roommates. And why is it different? Is Because, well, different people operate differently. People people, uh, different people function differently. And so it's only makes sense that I would have to learn how this person functions if I'm going to live with them. And in so many ways right now in Exodus, Exodus, we kind of get a picture of the Israelites learning how to live in the presence of God. So this is what we see all through Exodus is that Israelites are learning what it means to live in the presence of God. And living in his presence um, is very different than the natural operation that we're used to. I mean, we're used to operating how we operate and the Israelites are used to operating how they operate. And so living in God's presence is very different. So as we look at these next couple chapters, my hope is that we will see a lot of ourselves in the Israelites. Hope is that we will see what it means for us to live in the presence of God. And um, we're going to look at this in three ways. And we're going to look at the aspects of God's knowledge and our limits. So God's knowledge and our limits. We're going to look at the Israelites and our doubts. And then we're going to look at God's power and our witness. And so I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to jump right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, God, grateful for this morning. We pray that you would just open our eyes to your word. God, we pray that we would learn what it looks like for us to live in your presence. God, we would see the Israelites and how they lived in it, lessons they learned in it. And God, that we would enjoy your presence and live in it forever. Same pray. Amen. God's knowledge and our limits. I apologize that the reading is not in the bulletin, but if you have your Bible open, you should open up to chapter 13, 17, and 18. We're kind of I'm talking about that section right now for this first point. God's knowledge and our our limits. Overall, God has the full picture when we don't. God always has the full picture even when we don't. We see that Exodus 13, 17, and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the way through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God is thinking for the Israelites. He knows that if they face war, they're probably going to return back into slavery with the Egyptians because a lot of them are going to die and they're not at that point. They're not strong. They're not ready to face war. So God is thinking for them. And then verse 18, so God led the people around by the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So God has this, um, has them on this longer way out of town. And he did not tell them why. Right? He didn't tell them the reason for this, although he knew it. And he knows that if they face war, they're going to run. They're going to want to return back to Egypt. And so God knew if they took the shorter route, though, then they would have to face war traveling through the Philistine countries. And they're like, this is not worth it. But the shorter route to all the Israelites makes sense. We're getting out of town. We're leaving Egypt. It makes sense to me that we would take the shorter route. They didn't know what God was doing. They were thinking they were going to battle most likely. Verse 18 says that. They were gearing up for battle. They were getting ready. And so in their mind, and that kind of makes sense to me, you know, we're leaving Egypt. We know on the way out there's these different stops. We're going to have to fight somebody. And God is like, well, I have this grand plan that you know nothing about. And he doesn't break it to them. And you know what I love about this thought is that God doesn't reveal everything that he's doing to the Israelites. He doesn't reveal his whole thought process. He doesn't reveal every angle that he has on the situation. Because if he did that, the people then would just be comfortable and they would just be at ease and they would just be walking through mindlessly. God, I know you're gonna raise this Red Sea here in a little bit, but let's just we're just gonna keep walking. I'm not worried about a thing, right? What would that take away? Well, that would take away faith. That would take away God's direction. That would remove faith and trust in God from the whole equation if he broke down everything. And what I love about it is that's exactly what God leaves room for. It's not that God does not have a plan. It's just that he's not telling us the full plan right now. He leaves room for us to trust him. He allows for people to rely on his character and rely on what they know about him, what they've seen from him. If God leads in a direction, he gives room for people to trust that. And you know what? I love that, but so often I'm not okay with just not knowing exactly what God is doing. I'm not cool with that personally. You know, it's it's uncomfortable for God to lead me into a direction and I not know exactly how it's going to play out and not know exactly what he's doing and how it's going to happen. And that's exactly what God leaves room for. See, he knows that we're prone to this and he intentionally leaves us there. And if you think about the Israelites right in this moment, they're coming off seeing 10 plagues back to back to back. They just seen God do miracles back to back to back. You know, you've seen the frogs, you've seen the locusts. And if that's not enough, there were multiple days of pitch black darkness over Egypt. And at the same time, the light was over you, over the Israelites. I would like to think if I was in that time and I witnessed that one specifically, like I saw blatant darkness over there and just light over here. I would be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're good for life. You know, I would like to think if I was in that in Israelite's position at that moment, I'm like, oh, yeah, we got the big God on our side. You know, if I was there, I would like to think that. When God gives direction after it comes down to faith, faith is what it comes to. It comes down to trust. And I am limited in my thinking. I don't know everything. I don't know every outcome. I don't know the future, but God does. God knows the outcomes. He knows tomorrow. See, God doesn't operate like we do. God, when he tr- when He leads us in a direction, we can trust that it is the correct direction. We can trust that it's the correct advice. We can trust that, it, trust that it's the correct lifestyle, the correct rebuke, because God in and of himself is perfect and he's holy. We can trust everything about God when he leads in a direction, when he says something, that's always going to be the best for me. But that's hard for me to grapple with because I often can't understand exactly what God is doing and that's uncomfortable for me. So oftentimes I feel just like the Israelites, right? It's hard to trust. And that leads us to our second point and that's the Israelites in our doubt. The Israelites in our doubt because we know what, how it plays out and how it continues. After the Israelites leave and they're on the way, God tells them, this is verse 14 too, God tells them to camp out. He says, hey, turn around and camp out. You know, and he kind of says this for no reason. If, if you read it's interesting. Turn around and camp out, you know, real quick. And um, And so Pharaoh hears about the Israelites turning around and camping out. And he's like, are you serious? We let these people go and they don't even know where they're going? They are wandering around the desert. They don't have a leader. They are lost. They're confused. Man, let's go get them back and bring them back here. 14.9, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near where they were near. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. And then what we see is the Israelites' reaction to this, right? Right? We know God led them the long way. We know God told them to turn around and camp. So 10, 14, 10 through 12 is how the Israelites respond. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you, leave us alone? let us serve the egyptians it would be better for us to serve the egyptians than to die in this desert i mean rightly so i would probably be right there with the i would probably right there with the israelites rightly so their situation really makes no sense from my perspective some ragtag guy in his 80s comes and starts proclaiming god out of nowhere you know we're slaves in in, in egypt and there's a million of us over a million of us and he's talking about all these things and God is doing all these things. I'm witnessing it. But then we, we leave and God is like, no, don't take the short way. It's like, what? Don't take the short way. You know, then he's like, camp out. It's like, what? Camp out. And then we turn and to the left, we have this massive sea. And to the right, I have this army that's upset and about to just, you know, kill everybody. Are you serious? I'm like, I would probably be right there with the Israelites. Are you serious? The question I wonder, though, I wonder if all the Israelites were in there, if all of them were panicking like this. You know, because surely there was one in there who was reflecting on what they had just seen God do. Surely there was one in there who was reflecting on the 10 plagues, the 10 miracles they had just witnessed. Surely there was somebody in there that just thought to themselves, you know what? God has this. I don't know what it's about to look like, but I do know that God just did 10 miracles before my very eyes. I am sure he's going to get us out of this. I don't know how, but I'm sure. But you know, it's crazy. I would probably be right there at the Israelites because of this new situation in front of me. What happens is this new situation comes up, this circumstance that's hard, seems impossible, seems like there's no way out, makes no sense to me. And what I do in that moment is I just forget everything that God has already done. New situation, new circumstance. I forget that God has already delivered. He's already moved. So the point is that God will put all of us in situations that are too much for us but are so easy for him. See, God will put us in situations that are too much for us, but they are so easy for him. And genuinely, if you are truly walking with the Lord, if you are genuinely following his direction, he is guiding you and leading you, you will find yourself in helpless situations every day. You will find yourself in situations that are helpless. And it's in this place of helplessness where we honestly oftentimes see God do the most. We see God work the most. It's in these times where we come to the end of ourselves where we see God show his hand, show his strength. That's where he often transforms people the most, where people come to the end of themselves. Maybe they're living a life of sin and their sin finally breaks them. They're like, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I need something different. God Save me. Oftentimes, that's the point of salvation is where people are at their most helpless state, the moment that we humble ourselves before him. And so the Israelites here right now, they're completely helpless. Helpless. The question is, why would God put us in these situations? Why would God have these situations for us where it's hard for us, impossible for us, but so easy for him? Why would he have that? Well, he he would have that to build our faith. He would have that to remind us of his power. God puts people in situations where they panic or where situations are hard or uncomfortable to build their faith and remind them of his power. And that's where the Israelites are at right now. I mean, verses 11 and 12 are comedy. They are losing their mind like, leave me alone. You know, they're mad at Moses. They're mad at God. They are flustered right now. Leave me alone. Alone. God, I know you're trying to keep humbling me and helping me grow. Leave me alone. I don't want it. You know, Moses, you brought me out of here. I'm not trying to die in the desert. Leave me alone. I don't want it. I don't want to be helpless. I don't want to be weak. You know, I feel that though. I would probably be right there with them. And God puts people in these positions intentionally to show them how much they lack faith. To show them how much they don't believe and how much they actually can believe. See, this is something that Jesus taught too, actually. When Jesus was here with his disciples, he taught a very, very similar lesson to this. In Mark 4, 37 through 41, they're on a boat, Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus is downstairs asleep. And there's a big storm that comes up. Y'all have heard this story. and And Jesus is knocked out on the boat. In uh, 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care? We're on this boat. This storm is overtaking us. It's massive. We don't know what to do. It's hard. We're helpless. Don't you care that we're in this situation? Don't you care if we drown, if we die? Do you not I mean, it sounds just like the Israelites. They see this army. God, do you care? Moses, you clearly don't care. God, do you care that we're about to die by this army? Jesus wakes up. He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. The wind died down and it was completely calm. Then he said to his disciples, he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus had the whole thing under control in the first place. God knows what is going on. And he has a plan. The last verse, the disciples, they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They grew in their faith and they grew in what they knew about God's power. See, God gives us these situations to build our faith and to help us realize how powerful and how mighty and how strong God really is. See, the Israelites, they're panicking because they don't realize God's power. They're not looking at Him correctly. And that's one thing that we can learn from God and the Israelites. Here's one thing that we can learn. No matter what, no matter where, no matter who, no matter how, We can trust and rely on God and we can know that God has it under control. No matter what, no matter where, no matter who, no matter what the circumstance, we can trust and rely on God and know that he has it under control. I mean, you see people in the scriptures get put in jail because of their faith. You see them be abandoned because of their faith. You see them get thrown into furnaces, fiery furnaces because of their faith. But oftentimes, because they are viewing God correctly they're at peace in those circumstances. They know God is in control. Paul and Silas get put in jail in Acts 16, and it says in about midnight, after they got beat up and put in jail, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I don't know about y'all, but if I just got beat up and thrown in jail, I'm probably not trying to pray, and I'm not about to be praising God, you know? I'm probably upset at this circumstance but because Paul and Silas had a perspective of God has this under control. I don't know. I can't comprehend this situation right now. I don't get it, but I know God has it. When they get put in jail, they are praising God and singing hymns to him and praying to God. Same thing in Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a very renowned story. Nebuchadnezzar says, if you don't worship my idol, you're gonna get put in the furnace. And I mean, what, what they say to him is legendary. I'm like... Verse 17, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. And then verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Even if God does not get me out of this circumstance, I trust him. I would never turn my back on him. I am holding it down for God because I've seen his power in the past. Why would I listen to you, O king? I cannot forsake my God. He has this under control. Any circumstance that we can find ourselves in. And that is the place I desire to get to mentally. That's where I want to be with God. That's how I want to live my life. And you know, I think that mindset, it comes from a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus. A relationship you can see in John 15. I, I walk, I remain in him. I remain in the word. I saturate my life with Jesus. I apply what he says. I follow his direction and his lead. I'm praying all the time and often I think that mindset is fostered through days in and day out decisions of faith. Small decisions of faith and seeing God show up. I just become convinced that there is nothing that I would rather be doing than being obedient to my God. These dudes weren't special. They just lived lives of that consistent faith and God showed them and they were convinced over time. Because without a mindset of really trusting and knowing that God is in control of every circumstance, oh, oh, jail? Nope, not for me. I'm good. Sorry, God. Nope. Oh, blazing furnace. This is what I'm faced with. You know what? I will worship that idol, you know? Without that mindset of deeply abiding and trusting in the Lord, when it comes time for a cost, I'm not willing to pay it. I would only focus on the here and now. And the Israelites, that's what they're focusing on right now. They're looking at the here and the now. They're upset with God and upset with Moses because they can't comprehend what's going on. They're doubting right now. They don't have faith right now. They've forgotten God's power. And that brings us to our last point. And that's God's power and our witness. God's power and our witness. See, we see God remind us of his power and builds our faith. God reminds the Israelites of his power and builds their faith. We all know how the story ends. We know God raises the Red Sea, splits it right down the middle, right? We all know that he delivers them out of the hand of Egypt and they walk through all through the night. 14 verse 21 and 22, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove back Uh, the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Blatant walls of water. Let us not be confused. This sea was very deep and God blatantly drew back the sea and there was a wall of water on the left and a wall of water on the right. Let us not think that it was a marsh. Some people try to say oh, it, was, it was a marsh or, and you can walk through or some people try to reason their way out of it. No, this was a blatant miracle. Walls of water on both sides. And there it is. Despite the people's doubt, God executes the plan that he had all along. Despite how the Israelites felt, despite that they weren't thinking correctly about God, they weren't viewing him in the light, they didn't have faith in him. Despite that, God's plan went forward. See, no plan of God can be thwarted. No plan of God can be put on pause. If God wills it, it will be. If God wills it, it will be. And see, Moses knew that. Moses knew this. And you see, he had confidence in the Lord because he understood this about God. If God wills it, it will be. Moses had confidence. You see, Moses had confidence, although he cried out to the Lord when the Israelites were on his back. I mean, that's a million people yelling at you. I'm sure he felt the weight of the world in that moment. He believed God. And when we realize that no plan of God can be changed, that he's indeed Lord Almighty, that we can believe and trust him, we'd be confident. We would have confidence and we would sound like Moses. Verses 13 and 14, chapter 14, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. This is before they walk through the Red Sea. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I want to talk about three things that Moses tells them here. He says, "Do not be afraid." He tells them to stand firm. He tells them to be still. Three things that we can learn. Do not be afraid. And see, honestly, you know, there are multiple things that you can look at in regards to the Christian life and following God that you could be afraid of, to be objective. Multiple things that you can look at and be like, man, that's scary about following God, right? Fear of the future. What what does my future hold if I really go all in for God? That's scary. Fear of the future. Fear of rejection from other people. Fear of loneliness. Am I going to be the only one doing this? Fear of persecution, One day for my faith, fear of losing my job for my faith, fear of not really being able to be fully forgiven. Can God really forgive me? A lot of fears that can come into our minds as we think about a life of really following God. But what does Moses say? Moses says, Do not be afraid. He says, The Lord will fight for you. He says, The Lord will fight for you. Oh, you have a fear of the future. Well, guess what? The very hairs of your head are numbered. I have knit you together in your mother's womb. I have a plan for you, is what God says. You're scared of the future. Trust it. I have a plan for you. Oh, you're scared of rejection, fear of rejection. Well, those who believe me, I gave the right to become my children. You're accepted by me if the world doesn't accept you. Guess what? I will fight for you. Fear of loneliness, God says, I am always with you until the very end of the age. You will never be lonely. I am always there. Fear of persecution. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16. Fear of persecution. Jesus says, hey, persecution will come. Take heart. I've overcome it. Fear of losing my job. Romans 8:28. All things happen for the good of those who live according to my purpose. If you get fired from your job because of your faith, that's because I knew that was going to happen. And I have a plan that you can't see yet. I know more than you know, and you can trust me. Fear is from the enemy. Fear is not from God. If we have a right view of God, we will be confident in everything that he calls us to. Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. All authority. There's no competition. Everything that I say goes. All authority, circumstances, do not be afraid. Paul goes in, he says, I'm convinced that neither life nor death, angels nor demons, present nor future, pow- any powers, height nor depth, anything else in all creation can separate me from the love of God. Paul is like, I'm convinced. There's nothing that's in my way. I'm good. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Moses is telling the Israelites, do not be afraid, when you really trust God and you know his power, there is no room for fear. We can be bold for God because we know who he is. Moses says, stand firm. Tells the Israelites to stand firm. See, the Israelites are about to face a strong army. It's probably the, the ma- most massive army of all time, uh, at the time, my bad, not of all time, at the time, right? The, the Egypt, they were strong and serious. But you know, we face an army today also. Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a spiritual war going on. We face an army today if we are walking with the Lord. We face the temptations of the world, we face the temptations of our own flesh, and we face the temptations of Satan. And maybe, like the Israelites, we're tempted to turn back to slavery and follow the ways of the world. Maybe, just maybe, we're tempted to give in to what the world is saying. We're tempted to look more like the world. We're tempted to go back to our old way of life because it was more comfortable, because at least I knew that I I knew what I was doing next. Maybe we're tempted to get out of trusting God with our life and head back. Into slavery. Well, Moses' words to us and Paul's words to us are the exact same. They say to stand firm, stand firm. 1 Corinthians 15 58, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Anything we do for God is never going to be in vain, any decision we make for God will never be in vain. Anything we do because of our faith will never, ever be in vain. It will never be in vain. Stand firm, let nothing move you. Moses is telling the Israelites, and we can learn from that today. We can live like that today. Lastly, Moses tells the Israelites to be still. You know, and this one is tough for me. Moses tells the Israelites to be still. And can you imagine in this moment... Moses is like, hey, be still. As this great army is approaching, I'm watching them in hot pursuit. You know, they are just getting after it, you know. Moses says, be still. Every instinct in me is like, no, no, no. I'm about to fight or I'm about to flee. It's going to be one or the other. I'm about to fight or I'm about to flee. I am in a weak spot right now. I am at all weakness. I'm vulnerable right now, as this army is approaching, I'm either going to fight or I'm going to flee. How do we typically respond when we see weaknesses in our life, where we're in a place of vulnerability? Do we fight? Do you flee? Do you do things apart from God's power? Do you seek him? I oftentimes want to fight or my problems, my weakness. I want to fight with my own strength and in my own power, and I want to figure it out how I can figure it out and get myself out of the situation. I want to take matters into my own hands. Do you naturally tend to flee problems or your weaknesses and just hope that they'll disappear? You know, do you just run from them? Maybe it's a fear of being exposed or it's a fear of shame. Maybe you feel as if your world is falling apart holistically, you know is there something hard in your life that you want to get out of so you just just push it out leave me alone. God puts you in a situation that's hard and you just God just leave me alone. See but God comes right there he meets us and he says, be still. God says be still. But here's what being still doesn't mean. Being still doesn't mean I remove all responsibility from my end and just do nothing. So for us, being still does not mean I remove all responsibility from my end and I just do nothing. What being still means, it means I take full responsibility for what is my responsibility, but I leave the rest to God full responsibility for what's my responsibility, but I leave the rest to God. My problem is oftentimes I take responsibility for what's not my responsibility. I want to take responsibility for what God says he'll do. And you see this play out in a couple of different ways to a way of think about it. It's like, I'm responsible, right, for being a good employee, but I'm not responsible for the actions of my boss. I must leave that to God and be still. You think about it. I'm responsible. I'm not a parent yet, you know, hoping to have some kids praying for it. Y'all pray for us, you know, one day, you know, you know what I mean? We'd like like five or six of them, maybe seven, eight. You know, I'm still talking to my wife about all that. I'm responsible for being a good parent, but I'm not responsible for the choices of my kids. I must leave that to God and be still. I'm going to do everything I can to be a good parent, but my kid will make decisions and choices and I must leave that to God and be still. When you think about it in regards to walking with God, I'm responsible to to be obedient to God and to trust him and believe he has any hardship, any persecution under control. I'm responsible for my obedience. I'm responsible for my faith, for my trust, for my perspective. I'm responsible for that, but I'm not responsible for the outcome of the situation. I'm not responsible for how this hardship or persecution plays out. Getting fired, we talked about earlier. I'm responsible for being obedient. I'm not responsible for me getting fired. That's what God had because I was being obedient. He has it figured out. I'm responsible for telling others about the gospel, but I'm not responsible for their salvation. I'm responsible for helping other people see who God is clearly and loving on them like God loves on them and caring about them. But I personally cannot save somebody. I'm not responsible for their salvation. I must leave that to God and be still. What happens is I just want to be in control. When we take control of our world, what we're essentially saying is, God, you're not doing a good job with your responsibility. I can do better. God, you're not doing a good job with your responsibility. I can do better. And if Israel would have tried to do better in that moment with with the army approaching and the sea behind them, if Israel would have said, oh, let me dip into God's responsibility, let me take matters into my own hands, they would have died and they would have ended up back in slavery. Those are only two options. If Israel would have took matters into their own hands, they had two options. Let us be reminded of this. Let us be reminded. And what would be the result if we take matters into our own hands? It may be death. It may be I fall back into the patterns of the world. But often the result is over Often the result is stress. Often the result is unwise decision making. Often the result is lack of confidence in God. Often the result is questions and bitterness toward God because I didn't handle my own responsibilities. I tried to make the outcomes what I wanted to make them and that is God's responsibility. Often the result is stress. Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still and we can hold to that. We can know that that is a fact We see good examples in the Bible. Paul, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. When they were in those hard situations, they knew how to be still. I get put in jail. Man, I'm praising God. I am being still. I was being obedient. God, you are going to do what you're going to do with this situation. That's what it looks like to be still. So as we close... Let us fix our eyes on God as we should. Let us know that God is all powerful. He has all authority and I can have all faith and know that as I walk with him, as I trust God, I can have all confidence that he has it figured out even when I don't. Let us learn to trust God. Let us have a real faith, a faith that when it does not make sense, we still believe. A faith that causes real peace in any circumstance because it knows in whom it trusts. A faith that says God is mighty to save, but even if he does not get me out of this, even if he does not get me out of this, I know that whatever he has is best. Let us bear witness. As we have seen God do miraculous things, all of us in the room have seen God do miraculous things. And we just talked about God. We know his word is 100% fact. We just talked about how he raised the Red Sea with walls of water on both sides. What a miracle that we've witnessed. We've seen God's power in our lives through answered prayers. We've seen God's power in our lives by renewing our minds, giving us new desires. Those are miracles. God is changing us from the sinful nature and making us to his image. A miracle. We have been witnesses. Of God's power. We've seen God preserve his perfect word over the span of history, over time, to keep his word perfect. A miracle. We have witnessed this. Let us praise God and proclaim his works everywhere we go. Let us be bold for God, strong for God. Let us be joyful and at peace, knowing that as long as we're in God's hand, as long as we are walking with him, he is working out all good for those who live according to his purposes.
0: I'll pray for us.